Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. This week we're coming to you live on tape from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. No better place to talk about two New York teams bickering than Florida. It's still early in the MLS season, but we had to revisit it because this is the first ever meeting between the New York Red Bulls and New York City FC. The Hudson River Derby, as they want to call it. On the show today is Toby Carroll, a writer and editor for Volume 1 Brooklyn. He's also a season ticket holder for the New York Red Bulls. And the sixth guest from the Always Cheating Fantasy League. I'll be honest, if the Red Bulls had lost this game, there's a pretty good chance I might have canceled the interview with Toby. But fortunately, Bradley Wright Phillips led a shorthanded Red Bulls side to a 2-1 victory over a slumping and very anemic-looking NYCFC. The citizens have fallen quite a bit since we last talked about them on the show in their debut MLS matchup against fellow expansion side Orlando City. I believe they are winless now in eight games with just one victory to their name. I was really excited to have Toby on this episode of The Big Game because it's the first time I've been able to really let my biased team fandom fly. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we had having it. Hey, Toby, welcome to The Big Game. Hello, it's good, it's good to be here. Well, I want to preface this right up front, but the New York Red Bulls are my favorite club, and they're your favorite club, right? This is very true, yeah. So this is going to be an entirely biased conversation. So anyone that doesn't want to hear us pontificate on the awesomeness of the New York Red Bulls for the next 20, 25 minutes, just check out right now. I, I, I should I should probably also mention that that this I, I have sort of doubled down on my on my supporter tendencies and joined a supporters group uh, at the beginning of the season because Excellent. why not? Which which yeah. supporters group did you join? I joined ESC. I've got a, a good friend of mine has been a member for a while, and I was kind of like you know I, I think honestly watching. Um, yeah, or watching NYCFC supporters being kind of boorish on the uh, on the sort of opening day of the MLS season uh, rubbed me the wrong way, and I was kind of like, all right, I'm I'm still kind of annoyed with the Red Bulls management for the Petkey firing, but I also want to double down, and I will spend twenty dollars to join a supporters group for yeah, that. Yeah, I love I love sitting in ESC, and so for anyone that doesn't know, this is the. Uh, the New York Red Bulls supporters group that sits directly behind the goal um, and stands and sings throughout the entire match. So congrats on uh, joining up. I think it yeah. sounds like it's going to be a great season over there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Well, so we're talking today about the first Subway Series, the first Hudson River Derby, New York City FC, a team brand new to MLS, taking on 20-year veterans, the New York Red Bulls, formerly the New Jersey New York Metro Stars. Uh, so what did you think of the first, you know, big New York City interleague rivalry? Uh, did it live up to the hype for you? I, I think it did. I mean, I was I took the path to Harrison from the World Trade Center. And I mean, <clears throat> I was meeting up with friends um, before the game. We got some pizza and got some beer. And even, you know, three or four hours 
you know, early on, you know, at the World Trade Center path station, you could see there were a fair amount of, you know, kind of walking in. I passed, I, you know, I had my scarf on. Uh, there were a couple of NYCFC supporters wearing their jerseys and scarves. And, you know, there were also some some Red Bulls supporters uh, on the, you know, waiting on the platform for the train. So, I mean, you know, three or four hours early, you, you had to have that sort of, you know, that number of people was felt felt pretty good. And it definitely felt it felt different than really any other game I've been there, even, you know, like playoff games or the game where they won the supporter shield or, mm. you know, two years ago or anything like it just, the atmosphere was very, very different. So the, I was thinking the only thing better than this, you know, opening victory over NYC, uh, you know, thrilling match. The only thing better than that would have been a four nil stomping of DC United. And I still, I think I still feel <laughs> yeah. that way. Do, so yeah. do, do you think there's a chance here? Is it just going to be like a matter of years and then maybe it'll begin to rival uh, DC United rivalry? I think it, I think so. I mean, I, the one thing I will say, and I mean, I, I, I don't know if we're going to touch on this a little bit more later on, but I mean, NYCFC right now, I think it still feels like a team a little bit reeling. Um, and I don't know how much of that is waiting and seeing what Frank Lampard does when he comes on, but mm-hmm. they're just, things seem to be a little bit off. And I feel like they have a, their team on paper is terrific. It's like Via's a good player. Mix Discarude is terrific. Um, I have a warm spot in my heart for Mitty Bellucci from his time with the <laughs> Red Bulls. You know, Josh Me Saunders too. seems like a good goalkeeper. You know, they, uh, Jason Kreis is a good, co- you know, is a good coach. So it's, something seems to have gone wrong, and I don't know quite what it is. Yeah, let's hold on to um, that. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Let's let's focus on our team first. Let's get to priorities yeah. here, Toby. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think well, the thing the thing for me is that uh, I think I think hopefully the, this this rivalry will become something like that. But I also think right now NYCFC weren't quite didn't quite seem there. I feel like with with DC United and the Red Bulls, they're both teams that have had their ups and downs over the years. But I feel like there's always a fair amount, and I feel like especially when you know NYCFC, I certainly hope that they, you know, pull out of whatever spin they're in, whether it's this season or next season. But I feel like, you know, as much as I would, as much as I enjoy watching this, I would also have loved it if it had been a really hard fought, like blowout. Well, yeah. As opposed to. We, we almost had that. I mean, if it weren't for Matt Miazga's ridiculous red card and ridiculous on his part, because come on, let's, it's 35 minutes into the game. You've got to, you gotta, you can't, you can't give up a silly foul like that again, um, and yeah. get thrown off in like you know what is probably the biggest game of the season so far at home. It was, but I think we had the, we had the buildings of a really great match up until the thirty minute mark, and then we had something different. It was still, it was still a good game to watch, and and the way that the Red Bulls were able to absorb pressure down a man. Uh, and then hit on the counter, you know, they scored a, a second goal to go up to nothing at the beginning of the second half on just what was a beautiful, you know, it was beautiful defense. And then, you know, quick pass to Lloyd Sam. Lloyd Sam crosses it all the way across the field to Sasha Kleschen. Kleschen centers it right to Bradley Wright Phillips for a goal. I mean, it was it was the thing of, of beauty. Um, and so, you know, it. Yeah. And, then, and then you have to, you know, you're watching the Red Bulls try to defend and defend and defend for the last 20 minutes. It was, you know, it was certainly an interesting game to watch. But like you said, like it, it definitely would have been a lot better if it had been even footing. And maybe if it had been even footing, I think maybe the Red Bulls really would have run away with this one, frankly. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I'm definitely, I, I just bought a ticket. I bought an away supporter section ticket for the, uh, the game at Yankee stadium on, uh, June 28th, which I'm, which I'm excited to see what the atmosphere is like there. And just sort of, I'm also have a morbid curiosity as to, you know, watching <laughs> a, a soccer game played at Yankee stadium. Yeah. That, I mean, Yankee stadium is, it's good. It's perfect for baseball, but I, but you just seem like you're going to be so far from the center of the field that you're just going to be totally removed, especially if you're in the upper decks. Yeah. Well, so what do you think of the Red Bulls this season so far? I mean, Thierry Henry, the Red Bulls savior for the last five years, is gone. Um, you already alluded to the firing of, you know, probably our favorite coach of all time, Mike Pecky, um, in the offseason. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think of their performance so far? So far, I, I've been happy with it so far. Um, I was a little bit skeptical going in and... To some extent, the, hey, we have the longest unbeaten streak in MLS right now, it was great, but it was also a lot of draws, a lot of sort of 1-1 draws. And I feel like this game felt, it was it was nice to win a game at home. And I feel like this was also a game where I feel like there had been a few players who had kind of been, had sort of peaked and then had dropped off for a few games. And I feel like it was just, it was watching this team play the way that, you know, sort of at their best selves. I mean, they also didn't look down a man when they were down a man, which yeah, was which was a little bit, you know. I think Wright Phillips seems to have kind of uh, answered the question of, you know, are the people who sort of doubted that he would be able to score goals without Thierry Henry, you know, sort of providing, you know, a number of assists, which I think is really good. Um, you know, Lloyd Sam has been having a fantastic season. I think the, the midfield is working together really well. The, the thing that I think is interesting to me, and I, it is always that question of how would the Red Bulls play without Thierry Henry, because I think so, yeah, so much of it was built around what is Thierry Henry going to do with the ball? and yeah, What magic can he... And I think even, I, I was also a big fan of Peggy Loyandula's play over the last two seasons, and I think both of those guys were able to sort of think strategically in a way that very few soccer players can. And I think sort of to look at Without that, I mean, you have, I think, a little bit less of a an overall, like, strategic doing things that are a little bit unconventional without those guys on the pitch. But you do have, I think, Kleshton has, has you know, stepped up and, and you know. Felipe Martins I, looks incredible out there. I was a little skeptical yeah. the first couple of games of the season, but the way that he and Dax and Sasha ping-pong passes back and forth um, yeah. is, is really incredible. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they're working together in a way that sort of the, the midfield hasn't really worked together before, which which is interesting. And I think we probably can give a lot of credit to new head coach Jesse Marsh and his up-tempo, high-pressure offense. And what I like yeah. about it is Jesse Marsh plays defense, or he has his defenders and midfielders play defense the same way that I play on FIFA, which is just to sprint right at the guy with the ball as fast as you can and try to <laughs> tackle them and then see what happens. <laughs> I feel like the one time I tried to play like that on FIFA, I got two red cards in the first minute and <laughs> then was down two men for the rest of the game and well, lost. You know what? That happened, that happened here too today. So, <laughs> so I think I think Jesse gets his coaching strategy. Like he probably just plays FIFA like right before the game and then he says, all right, Sasha, you're going to be here. You're going to just attack, 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 tackle, tackle. Amazing. So I want to, yeah, I want to get to that red card. I want to talk about that red card real quick. Um, my question is, is Matt Miazga, you know, a guy that has just been called up to the USMNT, you know, under 20 squad, 
is he any good at all? Because, you know, this is, I think, the second or third red card he's gotten since he's been uh, starting sort of regularly for the Red Bulls. Um, there was a point last season where I think he got a red card and then Petke sent him to the bench like for the next game, and that's pretty much where he sat out the rest of the season. Is is he just immature? I mean, he's only 19 years old, I think. But yeah. is, is that I, all it is? Is he going to get any better like at decision-making? I, I hope so, because I do think he's he has does strike me as a very, very talented player. Um, but I do think, I mean, last season, I don't know if you watched the somewhat unfortunate uh, U.S. Open Cup game that the Red Bulls played against the Cosmos. Oh, no, I missed that one. I think I, uh, I was on like a flight or something and I had to re- I read about it as soon as I landed and it was like Red Bulls lose to the Cosmos. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I went out to the game with friends and then we were all very dejected and I think ended up at a Buffalo Wild Wings because that was kind of <laughs> the only thing that we could think of. Just, barbecue yeah, sauce. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, but I feel like at the end of that game, uh, the, the the other young Red Bulls defender, Chris Duvall, also did at the end, uh, you know, in the last like minute or two minutes, just this absurdly reckless tackle and was given a red card, you know, and, you know, it was we were all we were watching like, why did you do that, Chris Duvall? Like this is this is a U.S. Open Cup game. You know, I understand you're young. You know, maybe you lost your temper. You were kind of like, whatever, I'm going to take this guy out. We're playing on a on a lacrosse field in the middle of Long Island. <laughs> What's going on? But, you know, I, I feel like the, the main difference, you know, Duvall hasn't done any of that, you know, on, on, on the MLS, you know, on sort of on in regular MLS gameplay. Miazga, I feel like, is, is clearly really talented. But, yeah, I do feel like some of, yeah, some of those decisions he's made are terrible. And, and yeah, and part of it is like, well, he's 19. I did a lot of dumb stuff when I was 19 too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I do hope that. I mean, at a certain you know. point, I think it's, it can't just be about age and maturity. I mean, I mean, I guess some people could argue that, you know, Hamas and Alave, you know, the center back last season was so good because he played for so long and he was so intelligent about the way that he would time his runs and he was still physical and he would put in, you know, vicious challenges and he, you know, he got his, fair share of red cards too but obviously maybe he played with a certain confidence um that kind yeah. of maybe we absorbed and kind of let him get away with maybe some of the same mistakes Miazga's get uh, not getting away with right now um but yeah I don't know I mean I guess we're just gonna have to keep watching him for the rest of the season but I'm just I'm afraid that he's gonna be a red card liability going forward yeah well and I feel like we sort of I mean although it's not quite the same thing but I feel like there was the whole thing with Armando last season where he kind of absolutely by the end was almost not getting played because he was in part I think refs had basically said like we are keeping an eye on him to give him cards yeah he's too much of a bruiser (laughs) yeah yeah I kind of I mean I guess I kind of miss that Petke fight spirit but it does seem like Jesse Marsh he's got his own version of it I mean just the the way that they go after tackles is really impressive and, you know, yeah. as long as they can make it through the season and it's going to be a real, I mean, we're only nine games in right now. Like, it'll, I'll be curious to see if they can last the whole campaign because, you know, unlike the Premier League, it's not all about the points you accumulate during the season. It's just about what you do in that last month and a half. Um, yeah. And they might be totally gassed by then. I mean, that was the one thing I think, you know, for all that, yeah, for, for, I feel like both of both of the seasons when Petke was coach, it was a very slow start to the season and then it finished off really well. And, you know, if 
if yeah, if under Marsh it stays consistently, you know, up at a certain level, that's great. But yeah, I, I do also worry about the like the alternative of just getting burned out. Well, and you think about the way that Thierry Henry plays is, you know, he can be fast, but he would hold like he would withhold his speed until key moments. Um, and, and mostly it was just kind of methodical passing back and forth and getting into the right position. And the same thing with Pagui Luindula. Like this, it, that last year's Red Bulls team was, you know, they were a potent offense, but they were much more methodical. Whereas the Red Bulls this season are just like bang, 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 bang. Try to get the goal as fast as you can. Um, yeah. Which, you know, uh, hopefully it works. Yeah. I mean, I feel like also after so many years of watching the Red Bulls coached by Hans Baca, I'm, I'm very happy that both Mike Petke and Jesse Marsh as coaches, you know, are aware that they can make use of substitutions. <laughs> because Yeah, there was what a period of like four years where uh, no Red Bull ever was subbed out during the game. Oh, man, it was such a strange time. Well, speaking of coaches, then let's let's move this to uh, the mouthful of a name NYCFC. My my theory on on what you were alluding to earlier, which is they're you know they're they're in a funk, they're winless in their last eight games. You know they have one win and four or five losses, yeah. or a couple of ties, and and they're just kind of you know in a real funk, despite the fact that they have you know former Barcelona striker Davi Villa, uh, USMNT midfielder mixed disgrude. You know there there's something about the rest of the team though that just kind of seems like you know hunks of garbage collected from the trash pile like thrown onto a soccer field and now yeah. i know that sounds really really harsh but i think jason christ is the kind of coach where you know he can take mismatched pieces and make them work in a system um and find success and i think you saw that in the second half of this game where he subbed out davi via mixed discrude about an hour in made some intelligent substitutions and, you know, all of a sudden it's a game again when Patrick Mullins scores in the 76th minute. So I guess my yeah. question is, is Jason Christ the right guy for NYCFC? Is he going to be able to deal with huge stars and be able to incorporate huge stars into his team? Um, or is or is his strength, you know, using different pieces and, and kind of making the best of them work? Because, you know, I, I can't remember any really huge stars at Salt Lake. Can you? No, not I, in, I. And I've been thinking the same thing that he's. Yeah. I remember when he was hired, they said, you know, we're going to hire him a year early and we're going to bring him over to England and sort of teach him our system. So he so he has that. And I remember thinking, OK, but why did you hire someone? You know, if you were going to kind of program <laughs> this one system, why? Why sort of ask someone to unlearn various things that they're really good at? And And I completely agree that the management of stars you know in mls is 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 can be a difficult thing i mean i feel like i remember not to jump back to mike petke but i remember when mike petke two seasons ago benched Thierry Henry for a game or two mm-hmm. and i feel like after that Thierry Henry became a much better sort of worked with the rest of the team much better but i also feel like that's not something that you know it can be a very easy thing to do. And and I don't think that's really the case of what's happening with NYCFC, but I don't know. Something just seems off. I mean, I've, I've also noticed that I, not that I really follow the A-League, but I feel like uh, Melbourne city, the sort of sister club of NYCFC and Manchester city, mm-hmm. you know, also didn't really set the A-League on fire this year. I think they finished sort of right in the middle of the table. And, and I guess the thing that I do wonder is, 
with City Football Group's sort of expansion plans, like, is the goal to be dominant teams in, you know, Australia and the U.S., or is it just to kind of have a presence there? Is it to develop younger players who they can then sort of absorb back into the mothership and, and do things with? Yeah, because I, I can't imagine that it's anything but that, other than, you know, being feeder teams uh, yeah. or, or, you know, retirement teams. Yeah. You know, for Man City stars when they've kind of reached their peak and maybe they can, you know, keep them in-house but ship them over to Australia or, or MLS or, so, you know, give them some sort of bonus to go there instead. Yeah, because I do feel like, yeah, the, you know, if if you're Jason Kreis and you're planning, okay, great, I've got I've to build a team around, you know, David Villa and Frank Lampard. Okay, great, I can do that. And then all of a sudden, yeah, one of those guys is going to come halfway through the season after he's already played a full... <laughs> EPL season. So just kind of factor that in. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think we'll be able to discount Frank Lampard and even Steven Gerrard for that, for that matter, uh, yeah. once they get here in a month or whatever, because there's, I mean, I guess Lampard hasn't played all that much, but yeah, that's just kind of the history of stars coming over in the summer is, you know, just, I mean, even Thierry Henry wasn't able to kind of yeah. get acquainted with the Red Bulls until the beginning of the next season. I think Jermaine Jones is really the only one is the only sort of high profile DP who I can think of. Cause yeah, Henri didn't have a great first half season. Tim Cale didn't when he went to the Red Bulls, Clint Dempsey didn't really in Seattle for his first half season. Mm-hmm. But yeah. You um, know what, you know what actually kind of bugs me the most about having a uh, U.S. national team players come back to MLS is that I kind of start to hate them and resent them when I watch them play my team. Oh, yeah, completely. <laughs> I kind of felt I, that way about Mixed Discord in this. I was like, man, he just seems kind of like whiny and sucks. Why is he on our national team? <laughs> He's also, it, it seemed like half the time he was trying to sort of just tackle Dex McCarty. And I kept thinking, <laughs> that's not actually how you play soccer. Yeah, um, and, and don't get me started on Jermaine Jones. Let that be the last time his name is mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I would also be kind of infuriated a lot of times when I'd watch Landon Donovan play for the Galaxy against oh, the Red yeah, Bulls. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I hate watching Donovan. For, for the U.S. team, totally different story. But, yeah, for, you know. Although <laughs> I don't really feel that way when I watch, say, I don't know, Dempsey play for the Sounders against the Red Bulls. But, you yeah, know. We'll see. I'm actually I'm heading up to Seattle uh, at the end of the month to catch the Red Bulls versus oh, the nice. Sounders in Seattle. So I'm really excited to kind of experience, you know, the 40,000 strong um, in that stadium. That's, that's fantastic. So where do you see the Red Bulls and FC going for the rest of the season? Do you think, I mean, it kind of seems to me that uh, City is probably going to be, maybe they'll make the playoffs, but I, it's pretty doubtful at this point. And, and the Red Bulls, I mean, I think there's still some stiff competition in the East. There could be, if they yeah. have a summer swoon, they could have a, a lot of fight to kind of get through to make it at the end. What do you think? I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think... I haven't seen many DC games other than the ones they played against the Red Bulls, um, but they seem they're off to a good start. Um, New England, uh, I, I'm I'm on the generally pro Juan Agudelo side of things, and I think that was a really smart move that they made. I mm-hmm. mean, I think they're also an incredibly dangerous team because you have like a lot of legitimate goal scoring threats, as opposed to I feel like most MLS teams, there's kind of a handful of guys, and with them, they're like four or five guys, all of whom are capable, who are going to be, are going to be incredibly dangerous to, to have on the pitch. So, absolutely, you know, and And I think Columbus is turning it on this season now that they have their new logo and everything. Yeah. Who, who would have thought that? Yeah. That 
would apparently mark sort of a, a huge change for that. <laughs> I mean, you can only you can only take yourself so seriously when your logo has you know three guys in hard hats. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, I'm also, but but I, I think I mean I think the Red Bulls are are off to a good start. I, I am going to be curious to see if they do end up bringing anybody else in. Um, I mean, it seems like right now the group they have working together has been pretty solid. I do know that what Salzizo is out for two to three months, which I think I would assume they're going to try to bring someone in maybe for the but, left wing. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it makes sense, but it seems like they can kind of make do just attacking down the right or attacking down the middle. And, and Grell is not too bad. I mean, that goal he scored yeah. earlier in the season where he chipped the keeper from like 60 yards was, you know, I think he'll probably be able to hold his own. I, my, I guess my fear is the defense you know, the center backs, which I think has been, you know, a problem for the last three years, kind of not having a consistency or, or just, yeah. you know, not being, not having, you know, two center backs that kind of complement each other. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, honestly, last season, if uh, Alave had been paired with, um, who was our Swedish friend that departed? Oh, Marcus Holgersson. Yeah, Holgersson oh, had been Marcus there. Marcus You know, maybe, maybe the uh, MLS Cup would have been ours. I mean, I think it's also kind of not hilarious, but it still boggles my mind that they ostensibly cut Holgerson for uh, for salary cap reasons, and then I feel like ended up spending more money finding replacements for him who didn't work out than you know probably whatever salary he would have been making. Uh, that, I mean, that said, uh, I do feel like this season, uh, Damien Parnell, uh, who came in you know halfway through last season, would it has been I think playing you know, very, very well in the center back role, despite being one of probably the smallest, physically speaking, <laughs> center backs the Red Bulls have had in a very long while. Unless you count Connor Laid, who was a center That's back true. in college. That's true. Oh, I keep forgetting about Connor Laid. How can I forget Connor Laid? Because he never plays. That's how you forget, Toby. Yeah. All right, so before we get out of here, Toby, uh, you were lucky enough to attend the game, as, as you mentioned earlier, and I wish I had been able to. I... I was actually in New York this weekend, but I, you know, stupidly scheduled my flight for like 2 p.m. on Sunday, not even realizing that the game was like later that day where I could have, you know, tried to get tickets and at least take it in if I just stayed for, you know, another 10 hours. Uh, but so can you kind of, you know, let me live vicariously through your memories of the atmosphere? What was what was Red Bull Arena like on Sunday? I mean, I, I, as I was sort of saying before, we, we, I got there a little bit on the early side, um, and it was already getting pretty well filled up. The, the away split, there were sort of two upper deck sections where, probably about two and a half upper deck sections where NYCFC supporters were going. Those filled up pretty early. Um, they were, and, and, you know, it was, it was the largest away supporter section I think I've, I've seen at an MLS game, which is, which is pretty great. Mm. So, you know, just for in terms of, I think the atmosphere. I think the atmosphere of them being there also made, especially the South Ward, but also just you know all of the Red Bulls supporters throughout the stadium. I think say like, okay, we've got to be, we've got to be louder than these guys, um, and they were, and it was it was definitely sort of the the most intense atmosphere because there was this like, okay, we've got we've got a little bit more to rely on, or we've got to sort of prove ourselves more than simply uh, you know just occasionally cheering like we've got it we've got to be big yeah because and, we and you got to prove that those guys over there 
you've got to prove that you know this is a soccer club that's been here for 20 years that has you know a long history and members that have been you know coming to the game for two decades uh, week in and week out and just prove that you know all of these uh, New York City FC fans that are you know newbies transplants you know transplant fans that you know there was real soccer here all along and you know you know what I mean getting to Harrison it's not that bad I know a lot of people complain about it they like to complain about it but using the PATH train is exactly like using the subway. And quite frankly, I could get to a Red Bull game uh, in the same amount of time that it would take me to get to a Mets game when I was living yeah. in Brooklyn. So yeah. the talk yeah. that, that New Jersey is not New York, and you know, aside from the point that New Jersey is literally not New York, um, that's, just, that's just ridiculous. It was, and it's, you know, Red Bull Arenas has such a great atmosphere, even on, you know, even on not a Derby day. Um, yeah. But how was the concessions? Because that's always like kind of the worst part of Red Bull Arena is that, you know, I went to the uh, to the MLS All-Star game when they played Man United a few years ago. And that was the first time that I'd really seen that stadium totally, totally sold out and packed. And it was a shit show during when you when you got up to get a beer. What was it like on Sunday? The, the concessions have definitely gotten a little bit better this year. There are, I think, just more stands both for food and for drinks. I was visiting the concession, the concessions a fair amount because I, embarrassingly enough, uh, accidentally spilled a friend's can of beer while trying to move my bag. So I went and got him <laughs> a new one. And then later on in during the game, uh, a small child was walking down the row and kicked over my can of beer so i then had to oh, repurchase another can of beer so i take it you so, didn't pay for yours i <laughs> i i did not want to you know shake down a nine-year-old and be like look you you owe me you need to go up there right now and yeah, his parents owe you That's steal your father's ID. and <laughs> but yeah the lines the lines were pretty good i mean for especially for a sold out game i you know i'm thinking back to i was at the red bulls arsenal friendly which was also you know or even the the U.S. Turkey friendly or from last year, and I feel like they've definitely made it easier to kind of get stuff from various concession stands, whether it be food or beer, and, and get back to your seat quickly. Which That's is good, good to hear. That's good to hear. Last question: What was the reaction like? I take it you were in the supporter section, right? I was in. I, I have a season ticket in one hundred and five, so I was sitting in one hundred and five. So it was the. It probably would have been the second goal that Bradley Wright Phillips scored on your end of the field, right? Yeah. What was that? Can you tell us a little bit about that moment? I mean, this is a goal that puts New York up two to nothing after being down a man for, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Um, what, what was that moment like in the stadium? It was, I mean, just lots and lots of applause. I mean, I think it was big. I, it didn't feel for me like, like the most dramatic goal, like, which I guess for me that I've probably ever seen was the Dax McCarty diving header. Oh yeah, I was there. Was a, like, that, I don't think anything will ever top that. I mean, the Red Bull yeah. was down. Like, were they down two nothing or two one, and then yeah, come yeah, back to like score the, at the very very end. Of back the and forth and back and forth. I I just remember basically screaming and just <laughs> yeah. like, where's that screaming coming from? Oh, it's me, right? <laughs> so I mean, I mean, I think with this game, you know, it was it was it was a it was certainly a joyous moment, but I didn't feel like it was, you know, like that goal was. I think that it was it was a good feeling, but it was also like, OK, it's still early enough in the game that this isn't this could still go either way. Yeah, something bad could happen, which usually yeah. it does. And I was really impressed that it didn't. It's really impressive. Yeah. They held on for the win. Yeah. All right, Toby. So, well, I hope that uh, the Red Bulls will stay relevant for the rest of the season. 
maybe we could have you back on to talk about the U.S. Open Cup game or uh, depending on how far they get in that tournament or maybe later in the season when they have a big matchup. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks, Toby. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Check out our new website, biggamepod.com. Go back and listen to all our previous episodes. Drop me a line at Jethro Target if you like what you hear. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game.